communications and this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today. Cindy, I had the occasion to read an article by an old friend of mine, Theresa Kushner, who is saying in the article that marketing is dead. Really? Can you you imagine? (laughs) Wow. I I know. We've got to find out what she meant. And just to give you a little background on on Theresa, she and I were colleagues at IBM in the 90s, and she, since IBM, has had really interesting data-related jobs at pretty gigantic companies, Dell, Cisco, VMware, and now she's working at NTT Data as a consultant and uh, for, for clients, and she's the co-author of two business books on B2B marketing. One was co-authored with myself, the one you know, B2B data-driven marketing. And then she also co-authored a book with Maria Villar called Managing Your Business Data. So she's got amazing background and credentials. And I'm dying to get her in here to explain to us what she meant by marketing is dead. Yes, absolutely. Let's talk with Theresa before we worry too much that, you know, our personal professional futures are at risk, right? Indeed, indeed. Theresa, please come in. Oh, hi, guys. It's nice to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. Delighted. And we're dying to know what you meant by this very provocative statement marketing is dead. First of all, Ruth, it's your fault to begin with here. You sent the article from marketing profs about is the marketing database dead and Uh, that article and thought it's the wrong question you know it's not the database in marketing that's dead it's the fact that marketing has been countermanded it's been taken over by sales it's been taken over by strategy it's been taken over by operations it's it's just so dispersed throughout the organization that as a discipline it doesn't have the force it once had i mean you can see that from the fact that marketing has adjectives in front of it now it is relationship marketing or it's internet marketing or it's uh, partner marketing it doesn't have its its own definable entity. And quite frankly, when it disperses like that, you get sex and portions of marketing that can be so easily absorbed into other disciplines. I'm a journalist, okay? And I, I know this for a fact, is that journalism gets absorbed into everything. The best leaders in the world were journalists to begin with because journalism is sort of a foundation that you need. And marketing is becoming like that. It's a foundation you need for business, but it's not the same skill set that we learned when we learned marketing from end to end, from strategy to delivery and reporting on that. Quite frankly, us in the, the direct marketing space probably put that on the realm, put it on the road to becoming extinct in a way, in that we tried so hard to make marketing uh, measurable and accountable. And in doing so, we we sort of moved it into the sales environment in a big way. 
from a direct marketing perspective. What that then left was this huge gap for people that are in the marketing intelligence area. Where were they supposed to go? When I was at Cisco, this was a really big issue. They did not know what to do with the market intelligence team that I was part of. Did they include it with the strategy team or did they leave it in marketing? Did they move it into sales operations so it could be closer to sales? They didn't know. And what we were really doing was trying to figure out the marketing side, the hard marketing side of which things do you actually take to market and what do your customers think about it? You know, that, that was the part of marketing that just sort of went different places. So in a way, marketing is being... It's sort of like uh, uh, being stretched on one of those uh, ancient uh, devices. With, All right. You know, it's what yeah. marketing done. We, we just put it out there and pulled it apart. Wow. So are you saying it's like an organizational problem? I believe part of it is an organizational problem. I believe part of it is too, and I see this in a lot of companies, I believe part of it is too because marketing is not stepping up to the things that it needs to do to to be effective with the company. Marketing strategy needs to support the company strategy. And oftentimes, marketing strategy is about a brand. Well, that's only part of a company strategy usually. It's not all of it. And so marketing, because we've been so specialized in what we attempt to do, we ourselves have sort of written our own death warrant. Yikes. You know, that's really interesting. In becoming the generalists across the entire organization, we have made ourselves less understood and, as you said, maybe wrote our death warrant. But I also wonder, Theresa, as marketing became ubiquitous and became more important, you know how we say everybody in an organization sells. We all have to be customer-facing. Right. Everyone in an organization has had to learn parts of the marketing discipline. And we've all become more metrics-driven or measurement-driven. We're all having to become better communicators and, and had to deal with, like, when you look at the discipline of marketing overall. So have we become less defined because other parts of the organization have become better at marketing than us? Have we taught them to be better at it than we are? Which would sort of mean that this is maybe the triumph of marketing rather than the death of marketing. Well, it's not, well, yeah, except that, you know, it's the triumph under a different name. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's triumphing, it's, it's being triumphant in sales, but it's under sales operations name. It's being yeah. triumphant in strategy, but it is under strategy or innovation. You know, it's, it's not marketing. It's not the four Ps that we learned so religiously when we were in school. It's not that. And you've got a lot of, especially in the high-tech companies, you have a lot of marketing happening in the product world. You know, right. That is where everything happens is in the product world. And that means that other parts of marketing that are so important to get the message out just sort of get left behind or they get minimized. So are you going to advise young people entering their careers to stay away from marketing as a 
No, I would goal? advise, I'm, I'm advising people, and, and I do this a lot. I sit on the board at the journalism school at North Texas. And one of the things I always say is that the journalism degree I have is one of the finest degrees I could have for any kind of business because it taught me how to ask questions and it gave me a curiosity, an insatiable curiosity. Those are skills that you need in anything. I think that marketing as a discipline is something that every business person some sort of foundation in. So like journalism, it'll, it'll guide you in a lot of different ways. So I think it's that. But to make it your major, no. I would say, you know, go get a major in biology with a minor in marketing. Go get a major in uh, whatever. Wow. Supply chain or something with a minor in marketing. You know, don't make it your major thing. Because now she is trying to put us out of business, Cindy. No, 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 no. <laughs> As marketing professors. <laughs> What's interesting when you talk about it in terms of journalism, so many schools of journalism got rebranded, yep. including WVU, where we are um, thankful for their sponsorship of this podcast, which the School of Journalism was rebranded into the Reed College of Media. Um, we know that the um, Northwestern rebranded the, the journalism, right, with the integrated marketing communications. So I believe that the path that you went down with journalism is so true that journalism gave you such a broad and important background that allows you to be a copywriter, to be, um, a, you know, a curious about all sorts of things in business that allow you to be a master communicator in so many areas. So marketing has also now provided us with many, many um, disciplines that we can branch into. So I'm going to be a little provocative. I agree. Um, um, undergraduate could be considered um, the, you know, just the the cost of entry into being um, a thoughtful and curious individual period. And that a major in marketing could introduce you to so many areas that from there you could then go on to structure yourself as being, I'm more data-driven and metrics-driven, or I'm more interested in strategy and innovation, I'm gonna go that path. Or I really like the, parts of product development and pricing, and I'm going to move there. Maybe then I would even do an engineering degree and combine it. Right. So could marketing not be where you start, but not where you end? It could very well be where you start. It could very well be where you start. In fact, probably not a bad idea at all. I used to always tell the people on my marketing team that they needed to go out and get other experiences. They need to go study Kant philosophy. They need to go study psychology. They needed to go do something that was different so that they could bring in other sort of thought into what they were doing. You know, marketing is one of those degrees that sort of gives you like a, a master of arts or a, a bachelor of arts. It gives you that foundation on which you can build. Yes, I, I would agree with that. In fact, I even though I, I teach some undergrad marketing courses, I secretly would advise students not to major in business in undergrad. I would urge them to be more in a broad liberal arts yes. environment. Like you said, 
theories of philosophy and psychology and history and sociology and, history, and, math, and, so and math and all yeah. the other well-rounded Renaissance person. Actually, I think that's becoming more and more what we're seeing nowadays is even with the technology where it is, technology has this new thing where we're trying to be more human. And in being more human, what we're trying to do with technology is to mimic some of those things you just said. How do you deal in a social environment? How do you, how do you look at philosophy? How do you look at all the things that are around that kind of example? Well, that raises a question that your, your thesis reminds me of. Do you see AI and its development as playing a role in, in this mm -hmm. direction that marketing is taking? I think it. I think it should. In fact, I was gonna. I, I was thinking about this podcast and this morning. I am continually amazed at how Google can take one thing you click on and see your intention or sort of envision what you might do if you were presented that same thing five times over in five different locations on your site. That just always amazes me that somebody is thinking through that. And then it, then I have to come back to the fact that it's not somebody thinking through that. It's a machine that's been given that kind of instruction. That kind of instruction is gonna be in everything we touch in the next 10 to 20 years. It's not gonna be just something we call AI, that's a, it's a technology that exists out there. It's gonna be in the software that you you call up when you pull your iPad up in the morning or your iPhone. It's going to be in the elevator that takes you from one floor to the other. AI is going to be in everything around you. And I think that that's one of the things people have got to start to learn, and marketers especially, is how do I, how do I set that out? Because I always liken artificial intelligence to a child, is that the machine learns. And how people learn is very, very, very important nowadays. And so if you start with marketing and you have an AI capability, how does that go forward? What are you feeding that AI instance with that would make it learn? And what's it gonna learn from today to tomorrow? And that's a really important kind of concept that you have to get across. And in marketers, should know what that is because it's going to drive how they think about the first instance that they put out there and how they envision the customer learning from that first instance. Right. So we maybe don't even understand the implications of what we're doing. No, we don't. Let's think about that analogy of um, AI is going to be everything and it's like a child. If it's a child, it needs a parent. Exactly and right. children are a reflection of the good education and upbringing that they get in many ways at nurture versus nature. So the nurture part of bringing up children is going to be similar, you could say, in AI that a good parent or a good teacher you have to program AI the way you program your children in a way to be good human beings. AI has to be programmed to be a good mock human and, it's, uh, and marketing can inform that in many, many different ways. Exactly. 
And that's why we talk about training AI algorithms. We train them. We actually train them. We watch when we apply the data to them. And if they go off a little bit, then we correct it and bring it back in line. You know, so there are a lot of things that are going to happen as a result of AI. Uh, the fact that it's a technology that we're having to deal with, very similar to fire. And I say that because it's true, is that fire set the course for human civilization. If we had not had fire, we would not have developed the brain power to do what we did with tools and to begin to explore our environment. But fire is also very dangerous. Fire can destroy as well as help humans. You know, it cooked their food, but it also burned down their camps. So we have to look at this new technology in that way. And when you look at fire, look at it. You have institutions dedicated to fire. You have firefighters, you have doctors, you have firemen, you have all kinds of people with jobs around that. In artificial intelligence, we don't have a commission that looks at everything AI because the United States has not decided that that's important yet. You know, we don't have people that are dedicated firefighters or fire marshals that are looking out what happens to an algorithm inside a business. That's really important for people to understand that you've got to understand this technology and you have to learn and put the things in place that help you guide it for the good of the society instead of the. Yes, I love that idea. This reminds me of early cyber days when uh, we had a similar advent. The internet started and uh, it was a bit of a novelty. And then uh, it, as it became part of the infrastructure of every business and of our everyday lives, institutions built up around it, it was no longer a, a, an interesting technology development. It became part of our every part of our lives. And then we started to worry about how do we control it? How do we control the infrastructure? How do we control cyber terrorism? How do we control, right? And so you're saying AI could be like that? Oh, absolutely. And more. You know, there's a new kind of cyber theft nowadays or cyber antics uh, that deals with artificial intelligence. And guess where it is? It's not in the algorithm. It's in the data. What they do is that they put bad data into the source where you've generated an algorithm and your algorithm goes crazy. Wow. You know, so we have a whole new world we have to deal with. So Theresa, are you, are you thinking optimistically about the future of marketing and the, the opportunities for us as I professionals think, and as yeah. a civilization, a society? I think the opportunities for marketing are still there. I think that you have to change the way you think about what you're doing from a marketing perspective. Uh, you guys are on the forefront. I know you're very good at what you do from a marketing education perspective, but it is getting your students to think beyond what you would normally teach in a marketing scenario. How, how is what they're doing during the world? Yeah. And, that's one of the things I think we all have, every one of us has a, an obligation to think about. Indeed. So, Theresa, you mentioned a bit ago that marketing has been stretched in a 
number of different areas. You even mentioned a torture device. Mm -hmm. But you also said that marketing itself hasn't stepped up. I, I wonder what that what you mean by that. What should we be doing or what should we have been doing differently so that our profession and our function isn't getting diffused and, and dying? I think a lot of it has to do with making sure that the people understand the value of marketing and let's face it CMOs are never in charge so you've got you've got to do that first job and that first job is to sell the one person in the company that'll make the difference for you and that is the CEO and it's especially from my perspective in tech there are very few CEOs that understand what marketing does it's just a necessary evil that they spend lots of money on and never ever really see return. Um, that's got to stop because in order for marketing to be a really contributing member of the executive leadership team, they've got to be capable of clearly articulating the value that they bring to that business and why they're there. And you know, most CMOs go in with the idea that they can change anything but that's not necessarily true. And so marketing itself has got to understand how it gets positioned in the company, what kind of culture it has, what kind of culture it wants to permeate throughout the company, you know, and where that company wants to be. Well, I think we've come to the end of our time together. Shall we say goodbye to Theresa Cindy? Well, there's so much that you and I have to discuss as a result of this um, eye-opening conversation. Theresa, I hate to say goodbye to you. Um, I'd love to talk more. And thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, Ruth, I think Theresa gave us an awful lot to think about. I think there's a warning signal to many of us that we need to think about how to stay relevant and how to take the skills that we are developing to be relevant, not just today, but in the future. So I want to talk a little bit about what I am seeing changing in marketing when Theresa said that maybe marketing hasn't stepped up. And I would believe that to have been the case um, five years ago. But I believe that marketing and advertising has realized if we can't be met, held accountable and measurable and learn the skills that give us the language of business, we will never have a seat at the table. And so we have programs like the WVU Master's of Science program in data marketing communications. And we have all marketing programs now have to include KPIs and ROI and you, you do need to understand stats and you must be more conversant in economics, econ, accounting in order to be a good marketer these days. So we did have a wake up call there in marketing, I would say about five years ago. And as we have learned what's important to have a seat at the table, the future marketers of the next generation will be in the C-suite. I, I really do believe that. I, I don't know, Ruth, what your perspective is on that. Yeah, I, I see a, a couple of interesting conclusions we can draw from what she said. The point she made about how it's our responsibility as marketing professionals to sell the value of marketing into senior management. The CMO, depending on the 
the industry and the size of the company tends to have a seat at the, the C-suite table, but constantly demonstrating value is part of the job. And then the other, but the other conclusion I would draw from Theresa's point is that one about we need to be well-rounded as, as educated humans and maybe our marketing education shouldn't necessarily start when we're 18 years old. Maybe we need to make sure we're studying liberal arts, philosophy, psychology, history, sociology, so that marketing mm -hmm. concepts as they arrive into our skill set can be applied in, in a more thoughtful way, benefits not only the firm, but also our society. I totally agree. Look at what we've been exploring in our podcast series. We've had conversations around behavioral science, cultural anthropology, look at the AI, and all of it is under the tent of marketing, and yet we are exploring the future, which includes a lot of subjects that would not traditionally Indeed. be included. And wasn't it interesting, her point about AI being on a trajectory to be a part of our daily lives in every possible context. I, my first thought was, oh, you know, the internet of things and the fridge telling you that you're out of grapefruit juice. But I was also impressed to think when she used the analogy of fire, that put AI in a really interesting place in my mind where she's saying we're going to have to apply entire institutions and professions and other resources to this new kind of technology to make sure that it's serving the needs of society as well as commerce. I, I was I found that really inspiring. And I think it'll help our students put AI in a larger context as well. I totally agree with you. And then just to take that one step further where she said, you know, AI is like a child and you have to teach it. And who better to teach AI to be more human than marketers Indeed. who are the most educated in or learning to be the most educated in human behavior. So we should be an important part of mentoring and educating AI as parents. So right. they become the type of humans we want them to be engaged, empathetic, and think of all the things we as marketers uh, learn to do. And her point about the four Ps, this is not the four Ps anymore. I thought, well, yeah, if the various functions, whether they're line functions or staff functions inside a firm are thinking marketing thoughts, then we've actually contributed a lot. And instead of thinking of this as the death of marketing, I think it could be viewed as the triumph, where our way of, of thinking and our understanding of the market opportunity, customer needs, and how to satisfy them at a profit are now in being inculcated throughout the firm. That's a good thing. 
Yes, I agree with you. The triumph. I like the way you said that, that it's, it's the, the triumph of marketing that we've become so important that everybody needs to be good marketers, just like everyone needs to sell. Like, right? How we say in the organization, everyone sells. Everyone has to understand that the customer comes first. But this does remind me of Ruth, a blog I had read that you um, authored um, as, a, as a guest where you were talking about sales and marketing and the different role and power that sales and marketing has based on consumer versus B2B hmm. um, and, and where marketing sits. And when Theresa mentioned marketing in high tech and that um, how you know marketing has kind of been sublimated in a high tech, which is a B2B function more. I wondered if you agreed with that based, or if you'd explore that a little bit, because it was a fascinating conversation you had. Indeed, ever since entering the B2B world, I've observed that in the world of B2B, the PNL is the responsibility of the sales function. And the marketing function is in service to sales. I used to make the joke that in B2B, sales flies the plane and marketing serves the coffee. No. <laughs> Possibly an unfortunate way of putting it. But on the consumer side, though, marketing does tend to own the PL and is in a line function and is responsible for everything, including sales, meaning sales is just another lever along with product development, with marketing communications and everything else as one of, one of the levers that the, the P&L owner, the, usually it's a, a role called product management, can pull to meet the objectives of the, the company. So, this, I guess I'm saying if, if you want to own the PL, you might want to stick with consumer. Except with the arrival of e-commerce and DTC and other direct selling models, marketing still runs the PL, whether it's B2B or B2C, right? Right. Well, the other thing though in B2B is that the marketing discipline in B2B in sales enablement with demand gen, lead gen, content management, all of those are offshoots of marketing discipline, not sales discipline, and a major contributor to the success of the sales organization in a B2B environment. So if you have a marketing background, but you have an interest in sales, or you may want to be involved in uh, business development and sales enablement, this is a way for you to have both in the business to business world. Except as we all know, sales people rarely give marketing any credit for <laughs> the enablement services that they're providing. So that can be tough. That's because they're much more, um, which I say they are much better at tooting their own horn than us uh, marketing folks who tend to be a little less uh, <laughs> self-promotional. Ironically, huh? Ironically, yes. <laughs> Shoemaker's children. Right? 
So, Cindy, should we come around to our three little piggies at this point? Yes, I think we should. The three key takeaways that we uh, we have from our discussion with Teresa. We need to encourage, as educators, students to get as broad and a liberal arts educational base as possible before or concurrently with their marketing education. Yes, and add to that that it must be grounded in business fundamentals and understanding how to measure and communicate the value of your discipline in an organization so that you can get a seat at the table in the future. I'd agree with you on that. Um, number two, for sure, has to be the whole discussion around AI. You know, fire set the direction of mankind. We talk about the advent of the printing press as being so important in the evolution of civilization and that AI can potentially become as pivotal as the advent of fire, but what it will be is um, an institution in and of itself that becomes part of our fabric of our society. And with that, uh, many implications that go along with that. And maybe the third would be that marketing has already had such a big impact on the firm, the company today that marketing thinking has already been diffused throughout the various functions in the firm. And the marketing function and people in it can take considerable satisfaction that they will be listened to and that everyone is pulling with the same oars much more than they were in the past. Well, Ruth, it's nice to think that marketing has triumphed by becoming so ubiquitous throughout um, all disciplines. And uh, thank you for bringing Theresa onto our podcast. And we'll look forward to uh, many more interesting guests in our time together. Yes, indeed. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu slash mctoday to view our upcoming conversations, listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to receive updates.